This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. So, Leah, what show do you want to talk about today? Nick, today I want to talk about Harry Wilde, which we all know the main character, the title character, Harriet Wilde, is played by Jane Seymour. I mean, come on! Do you need another reason to watch it? No, that should be enough. But the story is fantastic. Of course, a mystery. I'm just talking about mysteries. I can't stop. I love the mystery. So in this series, Harry is a retired literature professor. She moves in with her son, who's a police detective, after she's mugged. And she notices like a clue in one of his cases, wants to get involved. He says no. And we got the series finale for season three of Harry Wilde premiering on June 10th. So you got to get in there. I always feel like if I'm not there to watch it, I'm leaving the characters hanging. So no pressure, but you can't leave Jane Seymour hanging like that. Watch the season finale of Harry Wilde with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. Do you eat corn like it's a typewriter? Do you ask people their age? Do you break things and not offer to pay for them? Were you raised by wolves? Let's find out. Here are things that can make it better when we have to live together. We can all use a little help. Some people don't ask themselves, were you raised by wolves? Hey everybody, it's Nick Layton. And I'm Leah Bonima. And we're in New York today. <laughs> and let's just get right down to it. Let's get in there. So for today's amuse-bouche, I want to talk about... Corn on the cob. Oh, fantastic. It's always so exciting because I don't know, I don't know if our listeners at home know that I don't know what the amuse-bouche is. Oh, it's true. Yes. These are always a surprise for Leah. She has no idea until she hears them right now, which gives her no opportunity to prepare if she wanted to prepare for these things. Can't look it up. I just genuinely don't know in front of people. Which is really fun for me. So let's talk about corn on the cob. So do you eat corn on the cob? I mean. Some people don't. I'm from Maine. We do corn. You go out, you get your corn. Okay. You know what I mean? Leah's like... You go pick out your corn. You pull over to the side of the road for people selling corn. Okay. You pick out the ones that look good. You bring them home. You shuck them. Here we are. You boil your corn. Okay. So now we're eating corn. So when we're talking about corn on the cob, this is not formal. Like there's no such thing as a formal dinner party with corn on the cob. <laughs> so right there, baseline, you know, let's just keep that in mind. But some of the etiquette greats have weighed in on corn of the cob. So let me share what other people have said, and you will see some themes emerge. And I think we'll be able to come to some new rule for the 21st century. So Emily Post encourages you to, quote, attack corn on the cob with as little ferocity as possible. So she just doesn't want you to be ferocious with your corn on the cob. And that's like her only rule. And I so- mean, that seems sad, to be honest. <laughs> so she also says that you shouldn't butter too much of it since it'll drip. So she recommends butter only two rows at a time, and then you add salt and pepper, and then we're done. And interestingly, she says you should use your hands to hold the corn. Because she says that silver handles are not, quote, often seen in smartest houses, Mm. which I actually thought was surprising that like the smartest houses in 1922 didn't have little silver corn things. Do they not also have the non-silver ones that have little funny faces that stick out at the (laughs) ends? I'm pretty sure they did not have. Where are those? Oh, in my house. Funny faces? Why? Or just like, you know, little fun things that stick out. Why? Hi. What? I mean, I don't want that. Because eating corn is supposed to be fun. Uh. 
I mean, I don't know if I want whimsy with my corn on the cob. Really? You're eating something off a cob. Uh-huh. To do it with reverence seems silly. <laughs> okay. Well, I think there's a line between, you know, reverence and I have silly cartoon character corn holders. <laughs> I feel like we have something in the middle, but that's why we're different. <laughs> And Miss Manners, she says that corn should be eaten in an orderly fashion. So Miss Manners, of course, would like to have order. But she also adds that she's partial to the typewriter method, which involves a strict progression of orderly rows. But Miss Manners also adds that it is a social error to say bing at the end of each line. So if you're eating corn like a typewriter, Miss <laughs> Manners would rather you not say bing. And for our audience who might be too young to know what a typewriter is, this was a device where you could type words on. And at the end of a line, when you got to the end, it would bing to let you know when you had to like go back to the beginning. Uh, so Miss Mander says, do not say the word bing when you're eating corn. Which I've never <laughs> encountered in all my years of whimsical corn eating. Right. I feel like saying bing would be up your alley. No, yeah. that is. Come on. I feel like, really? I'm going to bing when I eat corn? Stop. And then she says she is willing to allow for this, provided you do not leave odd kernels on the cob when one is finished. Because, she says, quote, odd kernels drive Miss Manners berserk. So, if you eat corn on the cob, don't leave any stray kernels. Berserk. It's a strong berserk. word. Yes. It's a strong word for a little piece of corn that was left over. Now, Emily Post, in an updated version of the book, the great-grandchildren allow that there's some technique where you take the entire cob and you roll the whole cob in a stick of butter. Have you seen this? Yeah, I see that a lot. You see it a lot? Yeah, I mean, that's very familiar. The butter is like, and then you twist it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like it's a, like you're sharpening a knife yep. on, a, on a stone. I have not personally seen that. I don't like that idea. And I'm very surprised that Emily Post allows for this in their most recent edition. What's a part of the corn culture? Well, but you drip butter everywhere. That's not very, I mean. The idea that one would just do two lines at a time. Uh-huh. If you only want to do two lines at a time, don't eat corn on the cob. What? Get decobbed corn. <laughs> Okay. It's not a part of the corn cobbing. I mean, I feel like we can enjoy corn on the cob without dripping butter all over our shirts. Yeah, but you can very lightly do the whole thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, how much butter are you putting on? I mean, I think if you are taking an entire cob and dipping it into a stick of butter, I think you're going to get quite a no, lot of butter on your corn. you're grazing the top very nicely. I mean, who knows how Imagine much pressure. you just do two two lines and then you eat it across and then you do two lines and then you Well, you don't even need it across. I think you take little bites. I don't right. think you want to like totally typewrite it What across. is this world? What <laughs> okay. is this world? Well, Amy Vanderbilt, she agrees with everyone else with the two line thing. So you want to disagree with Amy Vanderbilt? Yeah. Yeah, you do. And she, <laughs> she suggests that the considered hostess would not only provide butter, but would also maybe add a little paprika to it. So that's fun. And interestingly, she's also not into the corn holders. So she says you are free to ignore those and use your more trustworthy fingers to hold onto a cob. So very interesting that both Amy and Emily do not really go for the corn on the cob holder things. But Amy does say if you do use them, they go on the left because they're kind of like forks. So that's where you put them. I think pe some people use the corn on the cob. I'm a hand person. Yeah. Some people have corn on the cob holders because of the temperature. Oh, it's a temperature thing. Yeah. It's, it's not a butter thing. Yeah. Okay. Because it gets hot. True. When you just pulled it off. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, if we were going to synthesize, I would say we first want to take butter from a communal dish 
and put it on our plate. Unless you're using this method of just everybody diving into a stick of butter. And I think that's more for like outdoor backyard. Well, that's a different, the, the stick of butter that everybody dives into, uh-huh. that's a certain kind of a party. Okay. Know what type of corn party you're having. Yeah. And know whether or not that's appropriate. Yes. I personally, I'm not going to go for that. I'm going to go to a two row at a time because that's what I'm going to do. And then I think we use our hands because uh, going back to 1922, apparently the smartest houses didn't use the holders. So unless the temperature is too hot for me, I'm going to get a good grip on that with my fingers. And then I'm going to take small bites. I'm going to take a couple bites and then I'm going to maybe rest a moment. I'm not going to just uh, shotgun it all the way across like a machine gun. No. I want to add to the Vanderbilt uh-huh. about mixing in the, the paprika. Yeah. I think the reason that often people don't is because different people want spices and their corn salted differently. Oh, sure. Because I, mean, I don't put salt on my corn, you know? You don't put salt on your corn. No, I just do butter. Unsalted butter. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. But a lot of people do. I mean, yes. Seasoned to taste. Yeah. Yes. That's why I think corn is very seasoned to taste, which is why I would argue that they would be separate. Okay. That's fine. We, we obviously disagree with Amy Vanderbilt about quite a few things, apparently. I just feel like corn is not the food. You know, I'll look to Emily Post and the Vanderbilts when I'm eating a three-course meal or where my fork should go. I but see. when you're eating a food that I... L- you don't want to hear from Emily about corn. That I went out into the farm and I pulled out of the dirt. Okay. And then I pulled the thing off and then I'm supposed to eat two at a time and put the... I mean, then don't eat corn. <laughs> okay. It's a part of the party. Okay. You get your face in it. Okay. You know, I just uh, report... What you do with this information is up to you. I mean, I understand why people would be like, that's not an attractive way to eat corn. Correct. It's a bit uh, animal-like. Yep. And I would say that one eats corn to be an animal. So. (laughs) So that's your moose-boosh for today. (laughs) I think this is the first time that I've just disagreed with it. But I just want to put that out there. Yeah, I, I mean, I get it. It is a very casual food. It is uh, not something we do at a formal state dinner. And uh, if you want to eat corn uh, how you want to eat it, uh, who am I to say you can't? I just think some people, I actually don't even like corn on the cob, so I have no (laughs) people, but people that I know love it, love it. They love to just roll it in the butter and then they just eat it. You know what I mean? (laughs) And that's a part of what they love about it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if getting it all over your face is part of the the fun for you, then I'm not going to rain on your parade. It's a weird food to eat in a group, so you're going to look weird no matter what. I believe if you use the version of events that is prescribed by Emily Post or Judith Martin or Amy Vanderbilt, it will be more elegant. You think it is, but it's not. (laughs) It's really not. You still look just as silly. Well, sometimes uh, delusion is wonderful. And we're back. And now it's time to go deep. Real deep on this one. So this was prompted by a question, which is, quote, I invited a small group of girlfriends over for a casual dinner party at my home. One of the guests mentioned that her husband had been getting tired recently and not feeling energetic about the huge amount of work he had left to do in building their house. I looked at her and said, well, how old is Chad? Knowing that he is somewhat older than the rest of us, my friend looked at me, heaved a big sigh and said, well, how old is your husband? She said this very accusingly. I responded with, He's 55, which is true. The conversation went on to reveal that Chad isn't actually tired. He's just weary of the project. But I felt like I had been reprimanded in my own home, and it was awkward in front of the other women. At a break in the dinner, I found myself in the kitchen with a friend, and I said, did I offend you? And she said, yes. I was raised that it's rude to ask people their age. I responded, 
I thought we were better friends than that. I do understand that it's rude to ask acquaintances their age, but I've shared so much with this friend that I was taken aback by her stance. So my question is, was I wrong in asking an old friend how old her husband is? Hmm. So, age. 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 So, first of all, let's just talk about the importance of proper skincare, which is uh, sleep, <laughs> hydration, and uh, staying out of the sun. So, uh, just want to put that out there. Just a little pro tip. So, this is loaded, this whole age question. It's very loaded. In general, it is rude to ask someone their age. And their partner's age. And uh, at the age of their partner, yes. And I don't like that it's rude because it conveys the sense that aging is bad. That we don't want to say how old we are because as a society, being old is not good. Younger is desirable. So I don't like this tension of you're not allowed to ask people this age because it's rude, but we don't ask it because we value youth so much. It's also not just that. Often when people ask someone's age, it's in reference to what you've accomplished so far. Oh, sure. So it's not even about youth. It's about I'm going to decide how you're living your life based on how old you are. Yes. I mean, you're asking because you want to size them up in some way. Yeah. If you were just asking and it didn't imply any of those things. Although, why would you ask then? <laughs> why do you ask then? That's the thing. Right. Yeah, no, you're trying to determine whether or not... Well, in this in particular, her friend said, my husband's tired. Right. And then you said, well, how old is he? So that... Right there, right. Is You're basically being like, oh, is he sleeping until he's dead? I mean, just <laughs> the when it was asked is implying... Yeah, your husband is tired because he is elderly. Yeah, that's what you asking at that point implies. Yeah. I mean, I guess you ask someone's their age because you want to know if what they have is something they deserve. So like, do you have the job you have because you've earned it? Do you drive the car you have because you've earned it? Like, I think you're trying to assess whether or not like a person deserves whatever it is that we're talking about. Which based is on just how not appropriate. Yeah, it's rude. Yeah, And I think this idea with close friends, I think she felt, oh, it's a close friend. Also, there's other people there. It's not just the two of you. Right. This is mixed company. Right. And I think this happens, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, to women far more often than this happens to men. Like, I, I, I don't think I've actually been asked my age very often in my travels. Really? Yeah, it doesn't really come up. Oh, yeah. No, I always get it. Right. And, you know, I think it's fair to be annoyed by this question and offended. But then how do we respond? I guess that's really the question. If we're living in a world in which this question is not going away, what do we do about it? Well, first off, should we answer our letter writer's question? Sure. Yeah. So let's advise. Well, we're advising that it's never really appropriate to ask somebody's age. Yes. Especially since the implication of this question was like, well, clearly his advanced age is why he's tired. Yeah. Yeah. No one wants to hear that. Even though you didn't mean it that way. Well, you, you did mean it that way. Actually. I mean, I don't think she meant it that pointedly, but asking at that point is what No, it's... you didn't mean it pointedly, but you were asking the question because the follow-up was like, oh, he's this age. And then the follow-up would be, well, then this is the conclusion we will draw from that age. Yeah. Right. So there's no nice way to slice that. Also, I would assume that everybody has their own thoughts that they have about aging and where they are in their lives. And it's not something you just want to throw at people haphazardly. Yes. And I think we never know what someone's experience is with anything, like, you know, any comment that we might make. And we don't know what type of age discrimination they may have had in the past. 
And age discrimination is like a real thing. A real thing. In personal life, professional circles, like it's a real thing that exists. And so you don't know what someone's experience is with that. Even if it's just like, oh, you're 30. Why don't you have a house? Yeah. Like, why aren't you married? Why don't you have kids? Yeah. Yeah, this is where this comes up. Or you should be doing more at that age or you're at this age. Why, how come you behave that way? You know what I mean? It comes up in so many different ways. Right. So we've established that maybe not appropriate to bring up. Yes. Is there another way I could have handled a sharp reaction? I mean, you apologized. Yes, I think you apologize and you don't do it again. I think at this dinner party, when the friend turned the question around and asked, well, how old is your husband? I think that is not a good response when we get the age question. Similarly, I don't think we ever want to say like, well, how old do you think I am? Like, I don't think we ever want to answer this question with another question. Right. They were clearly upset and then they threw it back, which is not- They threw it back. Right. Which I don't think was the proper way to handle this. I guess one good way to respond to any questions about age is to try and quickly determine why someone is asking the age and then turn it around. So in this context, it would be like, oh, how old is he? And you could say, oh, he's very energetic. I don't think it's a health issue. Yeah. And you could answer the question, like, I'm not going to tell you how old it is, but I'm going to respond to the implication that you're making with this question. Yes. Or in a job interview, like, oh, how old are you? Which is illegal, by the way. Illegal. But if somebody does ask, and it does apparently happen, you could say, oh, I'm confident that I have the experience required for this position. Uh, or whatever you want to say. Answer what the question they're really asking is. Right, which is like, oh, are you qualified? Do you have experience, et cetera? So I guess I would answer the question based on the implication for why they're asking the question, I guess. Could be one way to handle it. Yeah. Or there's the classic answer, which is the Oscar Wilde quote, which is a woman who would tell one that would tell one anything. <laughs> which I love. <laughs> so you could say that, yeah. So I guess let's say you encounter this question and it's an acquaintance that you don't know that well. We can use the Oscar Wilde quote. I guess that's sort of light and fun. What else can we say to people? I also like the idea of what you just said about answering the question they're asking. Yeah. The thing is, is that you're putting up your sign being like, this is not a thing that I'm talking about with you in that way. And then it's then on the next per that person to then realize it and switch gears. Yes. Ideally, they would be attuned. They're like, oh, I probably shouldn't have asked that question. Yeah. In which case you just switch gears. Right. The problem is when that person comes back and is like, why don't you want to tell me your age? Right. Which happens. Yeah. Yeah. And then they get a little belligerent about it. Yeah. And then for that, I think you would then just shut it down more coldly. Be like, unfortunately, that's not something I discuss. I mean, that seems, you know. That feels a little harsh. What often happens when you tell people your age, though, I've noticed, is that they then launch into how they feel about aging. Yes. And it's like this jumping board into a conversation that you clearly didn't want to be in to begin with. That is true. So, yeah, how do we shut that down? I guess don't get there in the first place. Yeah. I know. It's, it's a really hard one. Yeah. I guess we want to politely demure at the end of the day. So I think you'll have to read the room to determine what the right strategy is to demure. So if it's a dinner party with very close friends, then you might want to joke about it and just sort of, you know, say something light like, oh, age is only important for cheese and wine. And then, you know, move on. Uh, if it's a job, you're not laughing at this joke? No, no, I, I'm hanging on okay. every word. All right. Cheese and wine <laughs> is not, uh, it's not great. It's not my best material. Okay, fine. Um, if it's a job interview, then yeah, you might want to respond with more of a like, oh, let me re-answer this question about my qualifications, which is really what you're hopefully getting to by Yeah, because they that. also know it's illegal to ask you. And most uh, hiring managers should hopefully know that. Yes, that's true. And I guess if it's an acquaintance that it's really none of their business, then yeah, I guess you'd have to, you know, say something that's sort of 
light and polite, but, you know, maybe gets the point across. Like, oh, if you'll forgive me for not answering, I'll forgive you for asking. <laughs> oh, that's so, a fun one, too. Yeah. So you could you could do that. And you could say that kind of in a nice, playful way. Or you can also say that in a cold way. So that that's very universal. Use that. I mean, there is a I like it very much. There is like this interesting thing where it's like sometimes things are just personal and people don't want to talk about it. And that should be fine. Yeah. And I think the age question should go on the list of like things you never ask. Like, are you pregnant? Like, I think it's in that category. Oh, absolutely. Like you never ask a woman if she's pregnant. Also, some things that are like I would talk about with anybody aren't things other people want to talk about. And the trick is recognizing immediately when something is a thing people don't want to talk about and you bounce. Yeah. Yeah. And I would definitely say age is one of those topics that people just don't feel, especially their spouse's age, because then I think often spouses feel like they're somehow telling something personal about their significant other when their significant other isn't there. Yeah. And I guess going back to that original question, if you didn't know their age, I guess how close of friends are you, right? Yeah, if you didn't know their age, you probably didn't know their age for a reason at that point. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I think if we just remember, don't ask. Don't ask. (laughs) Don't ask. Don't do it. And Nick's giving us some really fun quotes. Yeah. And uh, if they do ask, uh, you can use the wine and cheese uh, example, uh, even though that's not Leah's favorite. No, that wasn't not my favorite. (laughs) I was... I was literally adding it. Processing it. I was adding it to the list underneath the Oscar Wilde quote. Okay. I also got hungry when you said it, to be totally honest. I visualized a smoked Gouda and then we were off to the races. So Leah, how old are you? (laughs) I was about to tell you my weight. Um, Because that's, you know, if we're sharing personal information, that's one I'd rather share. Okay. You know, what's funny is that my friends always ask, how old is that person? How old is that person? People outside of New York mm-hmm. ask me. And I genuinely do not know the age of any of my friends. You genuinely don't know the age? It's just never been discussed. I mean, I could give you within five years what I think they are. Oh, that's a big range. Oh, yeah. 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 I just. Do you know how old I am? No. Great. I also don't think, I really don't think about it. I feel like in New York, we don't have the same kind of landmarks people have. Oh, you mean like at this age, you do this thing. And at this age, this happens in your life. Yeah. Yeah, And everybody's sort of running around and we're not on this, you know what I mean? On different schedules. And I don't really think about it. It doesn't come up in my mind. Yeah. And I just have no idea. When would it come up in conversation? I didn't go to high school with people. I don't know when they graduated. I just... And I would never think to ask because I don't see how it has anything to do with anything. So when people are like, oh, how old? I'll be like, I can give you a, a five to seven year radius that I could guess they are. People's age has so little to do with their personality or their maturity yeah, or their accomplishments or anything else about them. It's really just about collagen and skin tone. It really is. <laughs> you know, I had to go to City MD. They were amazing. Shout out the other day and the doctor That's asked That's a local me, urgent care center yeah, and they were in great. New York City. And the doctor asked me my age and I genuinely got it wrong. That's how little I think about age. Wow. And that is one occasion where someone is allowed to ask you yes. the, the age. I had to right. correct my own age. Wow. How off were you? Two years. Two years. Oh, that's significant. Yeah. Wow. So I just don't. When do I think about it? You're 29 and holding. Yes, okay. 29 and holding. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time for Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. So Leah, Mint Mobile, you have tried it. How'd it go? How was uh, getting it on your phone? So I think what's so cool about Mint Mobile is that you don't have to go into a store. 
You can just do it yourself. Yeah. No, there is something super convenient about it. Yeah. Because we've all been into stores for our cell phones and then lost years of our life. And they have premium wireless plans starting at just $15 a month. So to get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash wolves. That's mintmobile.com slash wolves. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash wolves. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. And Acorn TV streams world-class mysteries, dramas, and comedies from around the world. Yes, and coming to us from Canada, Oh Canada is Murdoch Mysteries, takes place in Toronto in the 1890s, which Nick and I have discussed previously because we both love period pieces. I love the outfits. I guess we count hats as a part of the outfits, but the hats are on point. So it's a great drama. It's also obviously a mystery and very exciting. On June 14th, Murdoch Mysteries is going to premiere a special musical episode. What? I can't even. We got music and we got a period piece and we got a mystery. It's like everything good in the same place. So you can stream a special musical episode June 14th on Acorn TV with promo code ACORN30. And we're back. And now it's time to take some questions from you guys in the wilderness. So our first question is, if you had... (laughs) No, I just wanted to throw a noise in. I don't... You know, that was a... It was something. I don't know what that was. Yeah, nobody does. (laughs) I tried to hold back and then that was like a... uh, Did that feel good? I don't know. Okay. You know, sometimes you try things and that was a no. Yeah, that was was probably a no. (laughs) So our first question is, quote... If you have an invitation out to several people for an event and one particular person continues to not respond to every event that you put out, is there a certain point where you just stop inviting that person because they never respond to the RSVP? Mm. I would. Yeah, I think there's a point. Well, here's the thing. Not responding is a response. That's a signal. Yeah. They are sending you a signal. Because I genuinely believe that people who are interested make an effort. And people who are not interested don't make an effort. This applies to all aspects of social interactions. Dating, business. Which is not to be confused with their availability. Not to be confused. But they make an effort. Right, right. No, no, this is about making an effort to respond to your RSVP. Yes. We can make an effort, yes. Sorry, I can't make it. Thank you for inviting me. Then I would keep that person on the list. Sure, yes. I I would keep inviting that person. The non-responder, yeah, you get dropped. Drop them. Of course, yeah. Now, I think one instance when we would maybe keep them on the list is if who you're inviting is a group of specific people who are all part of the same thing. So like, this is a happy hour for coworkers in the HR department, or this is for the softball team. Yes. Like if you're members of a group, then I think you still send the invite to everyone in the group, even if Chad never responds. Yeah. I think that might be one occasion. Yeah. But other than that, no, you're, you're getting a signal that they're not interested. And if they complain, I think you can say, oh, I didn't want to bother you with another invitation. Yeah. And you could say that. Yeah. But on the flip side, if you're someone who does not respond to RSVPs, don't do that. (laughs) 
Please respond. Yes yeah. or no. You can respond yes. no. Yeah, no is fine. I think some people don't respond because they're worried about like hurting your feelings maybe or they don't want confrontation or I don't know why people don't respond. Yeah, you can be busy. No big deal. Or you're waiting for something better to come along, which is rude. But yeah, just say it. Yeah, I can't make it. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah, but not responding. Come on. Come on. Come on. Okay. Our next question is, I was at a family cocktail hour and my nephew was riding his bike around and ran into my car. The accident caused a large dent and scratch on the driver and rear passenger door. My nephew has just been a kid. And since it was an accident, I offered to split the cost of repairs with his mother, who's my sister. I took my car to multiple places and selected the shop with the cheapest fix. Still, it was pricey and it will require the doors to be removed sanded and painted. My sister is now balking at the cost. Am I wrong to think she should pay half? I value family peace, but my husband is frustrated with their response. Hmm. I, this is another one that goes into my what? <laughs> so what, why you have this reaction? What, what part of this is like, what? Uh, you are not wrong to think that she should be half. Yeah. She should offer to pay for the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. You're being generous by being willing to split it. Yeah. You also did the work, which is it's time from your day that you took the car to different places. True. That's a good point. To find the best price. You could say, okay, you take my car. If you're worried, thinking that this pricing is incorrect, feel free to take my car. Oh, I don't think the sister is, thinks that the pricing is incorrect. It's just higher than she thought it would be when she agreed to pay for half. Well, tough noogies, as my mother would say. <laughs> tough, tough noogies. Tough noogies. Okay. So one of the nice things about etiquette, why we have etiquette in this world, is that etiquette is sort of like the script that we all know about and that we all use in situations. Like, it's just the template. And when we all know what the template is, we all know what we're supposed to do in each situation. And when we know what to do, it makes us all feel better about it. Yeah, it alleviates the anxiety. Right, right. So there is a template in etiquette for this situation, which is if you break something, you offer to pay for it. And then whether or not they take you up on it, you know, this can get a little more complicated. But the first part of this little play we're going to play is you offer to pay for the whole thing. Absolutely. So the way this play should have been is like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe that my son damaged your car. Let me fix it. How do we do that? And then the brother would say, oh, no, no, no. I mean, he was just being a kid. Let's split it. Or no, no, don't worry about it. I'll just take care of it. But the first part of that play is missing, which is to offer to pay for the whole thing. So because that part of the play is missing, yeah, you can be annoyed by this. Absolutely. Yeah, this is a rude response. Yeah. And then to be upset that it costs more money than you thought it would, your kid messed up the car. Right. Yeah. So if anything, you should be more mortified that it wasn't just a scratch, that the damage the kid did was that extreme. Yeah. I understand if you're in a bad financial place. This is not about No, but that's not about place. that. But yeah. I mean, even then you say, I'm so sorry. And then you figure out a payment plan of some sort. You know what I mean? But that's not what this is about. Right. No, this has nothing to do with who has money or not. This is like, just don't want to pay for it. Yeah, I just don't I understand why you would think that you weren't responsible for. Yes. And I guess that's a good point. It's not taking responsibility. I think that's probably what feels so jarring here. Like that's because the crime. Because people break things. That happens all the time. I sure. sadly broken things to my friends. And I immediately am like, oh, uh, let me get you a new one. Yeah, no, it's it's never the crime. It's the cover up. It's how you handle the crime. 
So this is not being handled well. So I guess, how do we move forward? I think you have two choices. One is you could just ask your sister to politely pay what she thinks is appropriate and leave that dollar amount up to her. Or you just pay for it yourself. And then you file this information away about your sister. I'm still processing this emotionally. I Because I <laughs> this person clearly wants to have, they've voiced that they want to keep the peace. Yes. So keeping the peace sounds like we cannot demand that the sister pay for half. Like that's off the table now. Right. Because you want to keep the peace. Because I right. feel like you could say this is a thing worth arguing over. Not about the money. It's about the taking responsibility. Yeah. I mean, if anything, this sort of sets a bad example for the nephew because the nephew should grow up in a household that handles situations like this differently. So I would like this to be handled nicely for the sake of the nephew who may not know that when you break something, you should take responsibility for it. Yeah. I'm, if I had broken something of somebody else's as a kid, my parents oh. would be like, well, you got to go rake their yard for the next three years. Yeah. You make it right. Yeah. Yes. That's, and that, I feel like that's just the rule. It is the rule. Yeah. So, <laughs> but you want to keep the peace. So I think that that leaves us with what Nick had, which is you say, pay what you think is fair then. Yeah. Or you just pay for yourself and then you file it away. Yeah. Although when it's a family member. But who wants to file away? You know what I mean? Then you're like keeping. Yeah. I think you would have to pay for it yourself and then let it go and just realize that we don't get to pick who our family is. And we often have relatives that have bad manners. And then I guess when you go to visit, you park your car in somebody else's driveway. Well, for sure. Yeah. Or do not let the kid anywhere near it. Yeah. So our next question is, stop me if you've heard this one before, but what do you do if someone starts telling you an anecdote they've already told you? My normal conflict avoidance instinct is to just let them go ahead. But then sometimes halfway through, they'll stop and say, have I told you this one before? And then I'm stuck looking like I let them ramble on without stopping them. So what should I do? Quick thing up top. I don't think it's necessarily conflict avoidance instinct, not telling people. Sometimes you just don't want to embarrass somebody. Yeah. I mean, do you have this problem? Do you repeat stories? I've had a lot of stories repeated to me many times. <laughs> okay. I only have like four anecdotes. So I think I do probably repeat stories to people. I, I only have so much material. So I don't remember who I'm telling what to. I'll just say to people, did I tell you about up top if I can't remember? Yeah, that's a good way to handle it. If somebody's telling me something and I've already heard it and it's not going to be a five day story, I'll just sit through it. Uh, Yeah. Unless they ask me. And then if they ask me, I say, oh, is this the part about and then I say something that happened in the story and then the person is like, oh, yeah. And then we move on and it's not a big deal. If they don't ask me and it's going to be a quick one. I'll sit through it. Yeah, sometimes it's easier just to pretend you haven't heard it and just go along with it. Ms. Manners has been asked this question and she says that the trick is to jump in quickly, like right up top. As soon as you recognize it happening, you got to jump on it and say like, oh, I love this story. Because if you let it go on too long, then yeah, you just, you're in it. You're in it once it goes on. It's like if you are talking to somebody and you don't remember their name, the window of opportunity to ask them what their name is closes the longer your conversation goes on. Absolutely. So at the end of a conversation where you can't remember their name, like that's a lot more awkward than right up top. Like, oh, would you remind me your name? So I think similar, similar rule applies for repeating stories. Yeah, it goes up top or you're hanging in. And as someone who I think does repeat stories, and I'm sure my friends listening are like, yep, he does that. I would personally want to be told like, oh, yes, we, we are familiar with this anecdote. Thank you so much. Happy to move on. Unless somebody asks me, I don't bring it up. Because also sometimes I'm being told this story because it is in somehow reference into what we were talking about. 
And so the version of what comes out of this story, I might learn something new. Oh, I'm pretty sure you're not going to learn anything new. I may. You know, I really, I'm a <laughs> That's a very charitable. Kind of okay. That's possible. Anything's also, possible. as a stand-up comic, I tell the same story 975,000 times. <laughs> I'm happy to listen to the story and listen for new details. Okay. All right, so if you're a stand-up, uh, professional stand-up comic, uh, then you could do this. Okay. But also, if you ask me, I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to lie that you haven't told me. Right, yeah. But otherwise, I can hang in for 60 seconds. Well, you hope it's only 60 seconds. Yeah, oh, if it's going to be a long one and I realize it up top that I've heard it, I'll say it up top. But otherwise, why not? Tell me again. So do you have questions for us that we've heard before? But maybe they're a little bit different, and I'd love to hear it again with your version. <laughs> right. Maybe we'll get a different detail out of it. Yes. So send them to us. Send them to us through our website, where you raised by wolves.com, or leave us a voicemail. Send us a text message, 267 call RBW. And now it's time to intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Brooklinen. And Brooklinen makes the internet's favorite sheets. And beyond that, they've earned their claim to fame with awards from Good Housekeeping to Wirecutter. And they're really great sheets for summer because they're lightweight and they provide a cool night's rest. True story, very recently, we were out, we got a little extra hot, you know, first big mm -hmm. sun of the year, came home, I switched to the Brooklyn and sheets because I was like, I need a cool night's rest, comfy, where you know how some sheets kind of pull at your skin a little bit? Yeah. And then in the summer, you're like, no way. And these are just so soft and cool and crisp. Perfect sleep for summer. So get the lightweight essentials necessary to upgrade your space for the summer from Brooklinen. Visit in-store or online at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and use code WOLVES for $20 off your order of $100 or more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. And now it's the part of the show where we play a game we like to call Vent or Repent. Vent or Repent. Vent or Repent. And this is our opportunity to vent about some bad etiquette experience we've had this week, or we can repent for some etiquette faux pas we've committed. So Leah, would you like to vent or repent? You know, just to really change it up, I'm going to yeah. vent. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What has happened to you? So I wrote this down as a, I wrote gentle vent. Okay. So on a scale from one to 10, this is a, a seven. No, it's less than that. Oh, okay. Because I think it's it's a vent PSA. Okay. I've noticed during this time of upheaval, uh, COVID, you know, everybody, unemployment rates, there's a lot happening right now. Uh-huh. It seems that when some people send out emails asking for things, it's as if they don't realize that maybe some people are in other positions. I see. So you are concerned about some people <laughs> being tone deaf. Yeah. When you send out an email during this period of time, I got a bunch of emails. <laughs> like the first <laughs> month, 
when we're all quarantining and like you're like, you know, where people are just asking for things and uh, favors, which, you know, you're allowed to do without any recognition that the person receiving the email. Right. You'd have no idea. Like people could be they got they're homeschooling their kids now. People are in new times. Right. So yes. Sending out emails. If you want something from you're asking a favor, it's not their job. It would be nice to have a sentence or two up top recognizing that it's an odd time to ask right. somebody for something. Okay, so don't pretend like it's not happening. Or it may not be happening for you. You could have worked from home already. You live, you know, in a place where people don't have to take a subway and their complete means of getting around has been shut down. <laughs> Possibly you live in a whole other world. You know what I mean? Yes, but don't uh, send an email pretending that it's not happening in the world. Yeah, and that other people are on this schedule that they could just get right back to you. Their lives are in upheaval. I think yes. it's important to recognize that up top. Okay. So, uh, yes, things are a little discombobulated. I got some emails and I'm like, are you on this planet? <laughs> okay. Maybe not. <laughs> they, they could not be. That's why. Maybe a lot of people left New York City. That's so why they, they might have gone to a different planet. Yeah, but we I don't mean, know. There are, I have my friends outside of New York City who are also, you know what I mean? Their kids are at home. They're crazed. Yeah. Okay. So that's a good vent PSA. If you're going to send an email, uh, you don't know what other person's circumstances are. Check in, maybe. Yeah, just say a little something, something up top where you recognize their humanness. Okay. Especially if you're asking for something. <laughs> right, yes. If you also want something from someone. I mean. Yes. That's, even if you don't care how they are, <laughs> at least pretend. Yeah. That's just strategic. Yeah, just at least grease the slide. <laughs> and for me, you may recall in a previous episode that I shot a flare across the bow. Oh, yes, the flare across the bow. Uh, you know, just a little, little warning uh, shot. And so I would like to now vent that as of our recording today, I have not received a thank you note for that wedding gift. You know, what's funny is that I actually thought about this the other day. I was like, <laughs> I wonder where this pending situation is. So uh, that is all. I have no further comment. Woo! Just going to leave that right there. I actually just had the hair on the back of my neck stand up. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, keep checking back in with me. We'll see how this goes. But uh, as of today, nothing. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's my vent. I visualize the shot across the bow is now like just a direct shot at them. <laughs> right. Now I'm aiming at you. So, Leah, what have we learned? I learned some real amazing quotes to pop out at people when they ask questions that I don't think are appropriate. Okay. I mean, the quotes are just for age questions. I don't know if the cheese and wine thing works. I know. I really feel like I could say a person who would tell you that would tell you anything about a lot of things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. And I learned that uh, you're not going to be tied down when it comes to corn on the cob. <laughs> Rules do not apply to you. Not with corn. Well, thank you, Leah. Thank you, Nick. And thanks to you out there for listening. If I had your address, I'd send you a handwritten note on my custom stationery. He will. And your homework this week is I want to hear from you. You know, send us a question, send us a vent, send us an observation, tell us where you are in the world, send us a poem, a haiku, I don't know, send us an email, reach out. Let's work on our friendships. Sharing is caring. Yes. Oh, send us vents. Yes. Please send us some vents. Yes. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. All right, Leah, it's time for some cordials of kindness. Cordial, cordial. But it's 30 seconds, so go. 
So uh, this amazing uh, Zumba instructor at the gym, I actually switched gyms to follow her. Her name's Laura. I absolutely love her. And when we all went inside in quarantine, two weeks in, I got a text from her. She's been doing her classes on on Zoom for free. So it's Zumba? It's Zumba. (laughs) And it really just... The first class where I logged in, I actually teared up because it was so nice to like see somebody Aww. and, you know, to move and that she would, she won't take donations. Like she just wants to keep us all, you know, we check in. It was like a check in. How's everybody? We dance around. It lifted my spirits more than I can even say. And I am so grateful for Laura. It just really was just, it has been so wonderful. That's nice. And for me, I have long maintained that the secret to living in New York City is leaving New York City. (laughs) You got to get off the island every so often to remind yourself why we're doing this. Like you need that moment where you come back and you see the skyline. You're like, ah, yes, this is why it's worth it. So I am very thankful that I am going to escape the city this weekend. And what I'm very thankful for is that my friend is letting me borrow a car (gasps) to do it. Which in New York City is very exciting. That's so, huge. That's a big deal. So I'm very excited that I will get to borrow a car. I hope I remember how to drive and get to go out of the city for a little fresh air and a little change of scenery and uh, can't wait. That is wonderful and so exciting. So thank you to my friends who have cars. This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. So Leah, what show do you want to talk about today? Nick, today I want to talk about Harry Wilde, which we all know the main character, the title character, Harriet Wilde, is played by Jane Seymour. I mean, come on! Do you need another reason to watch it? No, that should be enough. But the story is fantastic. Of course, a mystery. I'm just talking about mysteries. I can't stop. I love the mystery. So in this series, Harry is a retired literature professor. She moves in with her son, who's a police detective, after she's mugged. And she notices like a clue in one of his cases, wants to get involved. He says no. And we got the series finale for season three of Harry Wilde premiering on June 10th. So you got to get in there. I always feel like if I'm not there to watch it, I'm leaving the characters hanging. So no pressure, but you can't leave Jane Seymour hanging like that. Watch the season finale of Harry Wilde with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. And Acorn TV streams world-class mysteries, dramas, and comedies from around the world. Yes, and coming to us from Canada, Oh Canada is Murdoch Mysteries, takes place in Toronto in the 1890s, which Nick and I have discussed previously because we both love period pieces. I love the outfits. I guess we count hats as a part of the outfits, but the hats are on point. So... It's a great drama. It's also obviously a mystery and very exciting. On June 14th, Murdoch Mysteries is going to premiere a special musical episode. What? I can't even. We got music and we got a period piece and we got a mystery. It's like everything good in the same place. So you can stream a special musical episode June 14th on Acorn TV with promo code ACORN30. 